anymore. We said, okay, and you get to go to school here too. It's going to be great. And we put them in there, and they'd never learned any Italian whatsoever. And, um, and they, they learned Italian. They um, started, uh, <laughs> took them a little while, but uh, they started to get good grades. And, um, and they've gone on to, uh, to flourish there in, uh, in Catania. And, um, and they get to be a part, too, uh, of, of the work that we're doing, um, whether it would be in the, uh, in the Bible studies that we do, or actually my son has begun to, uh, to work. We have a little bike shop. I'll show you here in just a second. Uh, so, uh, so he gets in there and, uh, and works alongside of some of the little Senegalese uh, kids that come in to get their bikes fixed. So, uh, so that's, uh, that's pretty cool. So, so that's, our, that's our family, uh, 27 years, okay, just to, just to be clear about that. All right, so <clears throat> just to tell you a little bit about uh, why we're in Catania, there has been a mass migration of people coming out of Africa. Um, you can see here coming out of Western Africa, out of Eastern Africa, out of Northern Africa, most specifically, um, in truth, this, uh, this is an image from uh, the UN, but it's not complete. Uh, in, in reality, actually, there's people that come from the Middle East, uh, that come from uh, South Asia, and, uh, but, but they all come through Libya. Um, as, uh, as they're coming to this place, uh, they're crossing the desert. They are um, coming across the Sahara. I don't know if any of you are, are really good with geography, but um, think of the Sahara Desert like this. Texas, North Dakota, that's the Sahara Desert. Can you imagine that? Takes them at least a week to get across uh, the, the Sahara Desert. So essentially the United States fits right up there in the, in the top of uh, northern Africa, uh, which is, uh, just gives you a sense of that. Once they get to Libya... Um, it's especially difficult. They, many of them get placed into prisons, um, get placed into very difficult uh, circumstances until they're able to pay smugglers to allow them to cross the Mediterranean Sea. But what they find out, actually, is it's not exactly, what, what would you say, a cruise boat that, uh, that they're going across. They get stuffed onto these boats um, their documents are taken from them, and they're basically given enough gas to get out into international waters. Um, the smugglers make all sorts of good money, and um, the Africans uh, and, and all the people that are coming across are in dire straits now. Um, and so uh, there are boats, NGOs, nonprofits that are from various places that uh, you see the two skiffs that have come up there alongside. Um, they, they essentially patrol those international waters. Um, the reality is that there's, no, actually nobody really knows for sure, but two, they say, the UN says, two to 3,000 people per year crossing like this die in the Mediterranean. Um, so it's a very dangerous and very difficult journey. Uh, to, uh, to be making it. They come for religious, because of religious persecution. They become, come because of family persecution. They come uh, sometimes just to find a better life. Uh, and, but from our perspective, uh, whether I like that politically or not, doesn't matter. Because the kingdom of God needs to come upon uh, the people that, 
and, and meet the people that have never heard uh, the truth about Jesus. So we've, we decided that we wanted to place ourselves in Catania at the front door, let's say. And uh, this Catania is a port city. You can see it's sitting right out there inside of, uh, right out there in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea. And um, we're one of the, the major ports that, that first receives uh, the, uh, the immigrants, the refugees, as they, are, as they are coming in there. Most of the people, you can see from these countries here, if you go and look up any one of these countries, you'd see that almost all of them are Muslim background countries. So, um, so most of the folks that we're working with, I, I don't know the exact percentages, but uh, maybe somewhere in the 80 to 90% range are coming from Muslim backgrounds. So, um, so this is the reason that we decided to move our family there, to be able to share the gospel, uh, make disciples, and plant churches amongst those who are coming from Muslim backgrounds um, to, so that they also can know the, the truth of Christ. So we... Um, reach out to them in three different ways currently. Um, one way is that we, uh, we have a bike shop. We, uh, <laughs> right before the pandemic, we thought it'd be a great idea to open a little center in the downtown area of Catania, and then the pandemic shut everything down. So that was perfectly awesome. But um, we went ahead and, uh, and sort of built the place up, and, um, and you can see here we're uh, fixing bikes. We'll receive bikes from the Italians in the area, um, those that come out of the garage, maybe some of you have some of the old bikes that are sitting in the garage, we take those, um, we, we fix them up, we put on new parts and we give them away um, because they don't have cars, right? And if they're going to have a job, uh, they're going to have some way to live, uh, they need a way to get there. And so uh, the bicycles become one way of, of going about that, one way of connecting. Another way is that we have a community garden program. Community garden is, uh, is an opportunity for them to be able to have not only skills, and they learn agricultural skills, but also uh, to have some, some small work. We, don't, we pay them a little bit because we sell the, uh, the boxes. Um, they also take food from, uh, from this. But um, we're, the, the garden that we have is actually right next to an Italian school where they go to learn Italian. So the Italian's not really spoken very much outside of Italy. So if they're going to find work, they need to be able to, uh, to learn that. But we made a partnership. They come over, and uh, they do some work there in the garden. And um, so that ends up being a, uh, a good connection. We explain to the school, hey, we're going to share the gospel with them. And they're like, that's great. <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's a good thing. We, we, wanna, we want you guys to do that. So, um, so they bring uh, them over, and then uh, we... Um, we work with them in the garden, and um, a few of them, they, they go on also to, uh, uh, to become apprentices and uh, to get some really good agricultural skills. Then the third way is that uh, my wife and uh, another lady on the team leads, uh, leads an English course. And, um, and so, uh, so we have three different families that work together there in, in Catania, uh, my, uh, our family and, uh, and two others. And, um, and so in each of these different ways, it allows us the opportunity to make initial relationships, initial connections, but um, none of that counts for anything, quite frankly, unless we are also sharing the gospel, making disciples, and plant, planting churches. And this is, the, uh, this is our goal, is to, uh, to see folks come to Christ and be able to help them to follow Jesus. So that Mediterranean I mentioned a moment ago 
I said that uh, two to 3,000 people die in the Mediterranean each year. Not everyone we baptize in the Mediterranean, but, um, but it becomes a very redemptive place to be able to take them back to, that, uh, to, to those waters and be able to give them life, right? Um, to be able to see them come eternally to life, become spiritually alive, okay? So, um, so this is really what we're, what we're doing. And so after we've, uh, they've come to a place of belief, we want to take those that, um, that uh, really want to, and it's part of it, we explain, uh, look, if you come to believe in Christ, uh, you, this, this is not just a, a one-time decision. This is something we're, we're going to continue on here with, guys. So, um, so discipleship means how can I do everything that Christ commanded? And so they need to learn what has Christ commanded. Um, what are the things that uh, Jesus has called us to do? And, uh, and so we bring uh, these people together on a regular basis to be able to get into the scriptures, to be able to, um, to understand, leaving from there, how they can follow Jesus. And then we, uh, we go on to, uh, to launch churches. Now, when I say church, I'm not necessarily saying church in the same way that we say here. It's more like this, right? It's, uh, you think of it more like a small group. Um, <clears throat> our goal is that some of the people that would be in these churches would go on to lead others. It's so much more effective, I will just tell you from personal experience, to have an African speaking to an African, to have an, uh, somebody from India speaking to somebody from India. So, it, it, so I took this picture. I see, uh, I see these, this mama swan and these baby swans kind of following on, and I thought, ah, that's, it's kind of like that. Um, the mama swan, in this case, represents Jesus. Right? The baby swans following after represent each of us. Now, interesting uh, to me because there's a sense in which I'm both following, right? I'm following Christ. I'm following the one who's, uh, who's led me, who's taught me. But I'm also leading, right? Somebody behind me. And I've also taught somebody behind me to teach somebody uh, teach somebody else, right? So that, like, when the mama swan moves, the babies move, right? Um, and so as Jesus commands us and leads us by his spirit, um, the babies follow, right? And, and we are the babies. So you can see here, uh, in this case, this is a group of Nigerians, and hopefully you can see here that uh, the Nigerian is doing the teaching. I'm there, but I'm not doing the teaching because I've already taught him. Now it's his turn. To, uh, to go on and teach. Um, the, I, I, in this one, I am teaching. Uh, I'm teaching Sicilians to go uh, on. We kind of thought, well, if the Americans do it, the Italians should be able to do it too, right? So um, that, that, that seems, uh, stands to logic. So, um, so we teach them, and they now are going on to reach the immigrants themselves. Um, here's a picture of an African sharing the gospel with two other Africans, right? Um, I kind of like this part. Because, uh, that's not me, but um, the, uh, the American guy is kind of sitting there watching. But uh, anyway, the, uh, here a Sicilian is, um, is sharing the gospel with, uh, with some of the Africans that are there in our city. Um, here, actually, are some of our church planters. The man on the left is a former Muslim from Pakistan. He's actually up in uh, Como, in the northern, northern part of Italy, uh, we met through a series of events back uh, three years ago, and um, he and his whole family, we were able to spend time together, and now he is 
planting churches all across northern Italy. The man just immediately to his, I guess it'd be his left, but our right, um, he was an intern with us for, uh, for a little while, ended up moving up to Rome and is now working with the man on the far right, who's a former Muslim uh, from Bangladesh, and they're working to plant a church together. So you, you get this idea of the, uh, the, the what, what are they called, the signets um, that follow after the, the mama swan, right? Um, I'm just another signet, right? And the, the, they are just another signet. We all are the signets that are, uh, that are following after Christ. So at this point then, actually, we're not only in Catania. Um, we're actually, in, I don't know if you can see this, but we're actually uh, have work going on in uh, Catania, Rome, and across northern Italy. Um, uh, then, this last May, I get a call from my Pakistani friend up there in Como, and he says, uh, hey, so I've got this family member that's up in Budapest. Could we talk to them? Could we teach them to make disciples? Okay, yeah, that sounds like a good plan. We could do that. So, um, so we go up and we do a training with them. They're now continuing on to meet without us. He uh, my Pakistani friend is continuing to track with them, continuing to walk with them, um, based on the things that I handed down to him, somebody handed to me, and, uh, and now he's handing it to, uh, uh, to, to these other folks, and we'll trust that, um, that they will go on to, uh, to, do, uh, to do the same thing. So, so really, at this point, then we also have uh, work happening uh, up in, in Budapest as well. So so this has been sort of an exciting uh, thing that, uh, that God's been leading. We never, quite frankly, expected <laughs> any of that. We didn't really know what to expect when we were going over to Catania. We just like, started doing stuff. And God has been opening doors. And, um, and so that's been an exciting thing. Now, five, when was it, Jacob? Five years ago-ish, um, there was a team that came over. And, um, and so... Uh, we're hoping, uh, because we love to have people get involved, that maybe there would be another team uh, from Reliance someday that would come. Would you guys think about that? Would you consider that? You know, pray for that, please. Um, that, uh, that there would be a team come over, that uh, you would get to join alongside of us in the work. So we do that. We also have interns that come over. If you know anybody in a sort of a college age uh, frame that, uh, that might be interested. I, you know, there might be some, some folks getting a look right now uh, th- that uh, during the summer come for, a, uh, come for the summertime and work alongside of us. And then finally, we also offer, um, not offer, we're looking for missionaries that will come longer term. Um, we've developed a training program for folks to be able to come to Catania, learn the language, get the documents, do all the things that need to be done uh, because they don't just stay in Catania. You know, the, when the immigrants come, um, some will stay, some move on. And, um, and so, as a result, we need to respond. We need um, people that are willing to go and share the gospel with those who have not heard. And, um, and so, we're looking to uh, mobilize and train and prepare more missionaries to be able to go on and, uh, and reach more folks uh, as they've come to Christ and, um, and teach them to do the same. So out at the information table, I've set a, a few of these little refrigerator magnets. 
Um, it's just been something that we've, uh, that we've done. We've created these little, little magnets. And just, I just ask you guys, would you grab one, put it on your refrigerator? Um, I don't know. We, we, I think most of us go to the refrigerator on a regular basis, right? So, um, th so this uh, th it should give you a reminder to be able to, uh, to pray for us, please. Um, we covet and need uh, your prayers. And so um, we ask you to, uh, to do that. So grab that out at the information table. All right. So that's, that's a little bit about us. Uh, but, uh, but now I've, I've got a few things that i um, prepared to, uh, to share with you here today. Um, before we get started, let's, uh, let's pray. Lord, I just thank you that um, able to come and be here with friends, be able to be together and, uh, and spend time with one another to, uh, to see, um, to, to shake hands, to, uh, to hug one another again. And uh, so, Lord, just ask that you would speak and speak mightily uh, through your word, through the things that I say. And, um, Lord, uh, help us to, uh, to hear what it is that you want to say today, I pray in Jesus' name. So I don't know if you guys are anything like me, um, but uh, for many years, I would say, ah, God, what is it that you want me to do? Like, I, I felt like there was something within me that uh, I just, I, I, I couldn't quite get it, right? I couldn't quite understand. What is it that God uh, is, is wanting me to do? And, and so I, I think this is, a, uh, this is actually a common question. Um, and it's, it's something I asked myself for many years. After my wife and I got married, we moved to St. Louis a few, uh, from Indiana to St. Louis. And, um, <laughs> you know, he might have been actually answering the, the question for me. Hey, how many of you have taken perspectives? Any perspectives folks in here? Okay, there's a few, few folks in here. So we were offered to take perspectives 20 years ago, so he might have actually been giving me an answer um, at that point, and what did I do? I ignored it. I said, I, I, I don't want to do that perspective. Like, that's nice, you know, um, but, uh, but I didn't, uh, we didn't do it. So we started serving in a church, you know. Uh, we started helping out, doing, uh, doing some things. We got involved in some missions work, went over and, uh, and worked with, uh, with orphan kids as a result of what was happening in our family. And, um, and so that was, uh, that was great. God introduced the, uh, the nations to us. But still, I ask myself frequently, what is it that God wants me to do? Um, went to, uh, actually got offered a, a job, went out to Denver. We were out in Denver for about seven years and um, became aware of a missions role that we could potentially take in China. So, so that time, uh, the second time around, we, we listened. We said, okay, we'll take the perspectives class. So by the way, just a little plug. I'm not involved with perspectives, but take perspectives. All right. If, uh, if, if you guys, it, it, it's offered here or it's, um, you know uh, around it, go do it. So I wondered for a long time, at least 10 years. And I can remember having some conversations with a, with a really good friend of mine. You know, I, I, I don't know. I, maybe we're just being disobedient to God. Like, we're not, we're not going, right? I think God wants us to go, but we're not going. And, um, and so that, that went on at least 
10 years. So I think, though, that part of the challenge was that I was asking the wrong question. I was asking myself, what is it that God wants me to do? Right? But that might have been the wrong question. Probably is. At one point, I had a friend of mine. He said, um, Ryan, have you ever thought about praying like, you know, how Jesus taught you to pray? Uh, <laughs> hadn't, actually. I don't know why. I thought that, uh, you know, the, the Lord's Prayer was something that you're supposed to memorize. So he said, uh, he said try, that, try out the first part. Say it with me. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Stop there. So what was I doing? I was focusing on myself. What is it that God, asking myself, what is it that God wants me to do? Instead of focusing on what God is, was, is, and will be doing. That's what I was doing. I was praying, okay, what should, uh, what should I do? What should I do? I was focused on myself. And I, in truth, I had some, some of my own ideas about uh, what, some of the things that I thought God wanted me to do. And so I'd try that, and guess what? It went nowhere. <laughs> try something else, that didn't go anywhere. Didn't work out. But you know, Jesus taught us to pray. It says, uh, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus is saying that God's will is already be, being done in heaven. And the prayer is that it should become a reality here on earth. That's what we should be praying. God's will is already being done there. We want to pray that it also be done here. So Jesus taught us a different way to pray. Starting with what God wants, not what I want. Looking at what God is already doing and what, how he is working, looking at his plan. So I realized that instead of asking God what he wants me to do, I should just look and see and understand what is it that God's doing. So that, that kind of leads to a question, like, what is God doing? Do we know the answer to that question? I wasn't sure that I did. <laughs> the first inkling that I got for that, and the reason that I'm, I go on and on about the perspectives class is, was there. Um, because here I had the nations coming into my own family. We were going there to do adoptions. We were starting to do some things, but I didn't understand, biblically speaking, about what God was doing, what he was saying um, as I, through the lens, I wasn't understanding what I was seeing through the lens of what he was saying. Maybe it's a better way of understanding. You guys follow me on, on that? Right? We can have our experiences, but if we don't understand the experience within the context, within, from the perspective of what God is doing, we miss the point. Right? So I think actually it's possible for us to get a sense of God's plan. right from page one. Page one of the Bible, um, I believe we can, and I know you guys have been in Genesis here lately, so we're going to do a little rewind back to Genesis 1, and um, let's take a look here at verses 26, 27, and 28. Here we go. Then God said, 
Let us make mankind in our own image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. All right. So I think that there's a couple of questions, at least a couple, that we could, uh, that we could ask of, uh, of this passage. Let's start with the first one. What does it mean to be made in God's image? Anybody got an idea about that one? That's, uh, that's not a necessarily an easy question. Do we look like God? I mean, you know, that might be a fair question. Right? Do we have a spirit like him? Maybe we have abilities that others, like animals, you know, they don't have. For example, the, the ability to be creative. So, all of those may or may not be true, right? But um, I think there's, there's another way that we can understand this even a little bit more simply, right? Now, I stole a, uh, a little cup here out of Adam's office earlier. I liked it because it said, uh, you are guaranteed to suffer. So... Um, <laughs> Which, theologically, I think is true, but uh, wasn't necessarily the message I was going for this morning. But, um, so, I want my family to see this cup, let's say. Well, they're not here. So what am I going to do? I have this handy-dandy telephone, right? I can hold this out here, take a picture. Now, I'll send it back to them, and uh, they'll get a little chuckle out of this. And by the way, this might be a, uh, a message that I'll, I'll be able to share also with a few of my, uh, my friends that I showed you before, right? It's, uh, it's a reality for them. So what does it mean to be made in God's image? I have an image now, I think, Oh, it's a little fuzzy. I'm going to have to make another one. Yeah, actually, that's pretty good. That's it. Anyway, um, <laughs> I have an image now of the real thing, right? So, so what's this image intended to do? If I send it to my wife and to my kids, I'm representing the real thing. Right? I'm showing them an image so it can image, it can show. Right? So this is, um, I think, at least a part of what it means to, me to be made in God's image. We think of the purpose of an image. What is the purpose of the image? To represent something that... Um, is difficult to be able to speak to. Now, I might be able to say, yeah, it's this nice, nice, cool coffee cup. It's got, uh, you are guaranteed to suffer on the outside of it. Um, Philippians 129 on the other side. 
Um, so I'd be able to describe it. But it's another thing to see it. Right? So that's, uh, I believe, just like this image, we are intended to reflect God to the world. I think that is uh, what, what this is getting at when it speaks of being made in the image of God. Now, in the light of that, let's go to the next step. What was the first commandment that God gave to Adam and Eve? Wasn't go, don't eat the fruit. Wasn't that. Right? It was be fruitful and multiply across the face of the earth. All right, now let's, let's put those two together, right? Here we have God making man in his own image. And then he says, be fruitful and multiply all across the face of the earth. What's going on here? God's glory is to be expanded, extended, sent all across the face of the earth. That is God's purpose. That is God's plan. Now, does Jesus agree? Let's keep our, if you've got your Bibles, keep your finger right there in Genesis 1. And let's go forward to, uh, to Matthew 28. We're going to read uh, verses 18 through 20. Now, as we read this, remember, we want to try to take a look at what God is doing across the arc of history. What is God's purpose? What is God's plan? And I think we're going to see some consistency here. Now, as we read this, let's ask ourselves, what do we see that's similar? This might take a second to, to, to see it, but, um, but I think you will. What's similar between what we've just read in Genesis 1 and what we're about to read here in Matthew 28? Because if we see some things that are similar, we probably can um, see a pattern beginning to form. All right, verse 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. All right, so what do we see that's similar here? I think there's at least three things. You might be able to find more. First one would be an issue of authority. God makes Adam and Eve back in Genesis 1. He gives them authority to rule over the fish, over the birds, everything, right? Here, Jesus comes with a, with a pretty amazing claim. I have authority. It's been given to me over all of heaven and all of earth. So here, they've been made in the image of God. Here, Jesus is God. So, th- so we see um, authority being exercised here in, this, uh, in, in these two different scriptures. All right, now, being made in the image of God. In Genesis 1, man and woman are made there in the image of God. In Matthew 28, we see that they're to make disciples of Jesus. So what's happened? As we 
we as sinners, we've lost, we lost our image. Uh, we, we needed to be redeemed back to be with Christ, to be with God again, to be cleansed again. That's the idea of the new creation, the new heart, the, uh, the, the new spirit that's, that's put inside of us. So we, through Christ and through his washing, we are made new once again. And we reclaim the image of God through Christ. So as we make disciples of Christ, we see the image of God reclaimed here. And, uh, and so I think this is why, this is one of the reasons why anyway, we, each of us is called to be the part, a part of the body of Christ. We've been made into his image, in the image of Christ. All right, where? Genesis 1, where were they to go? Where was that image to go? All across the face of the earth. Be fruitful and multiply, right? Where does Jesus tell his disciples to go? To all nations, right? So in all nations, he wants to see the, uh, his image spread. Jesus is saying the exact same thing. Go into all the nations because I want to see my image. Uh, make disciples of me, the images of God, once again amongst all the nations. You follow me? I hope, I hope that, makes, uh, that makes sense. So from my perspective, then I see this consistency, right? From Genesis 1, he proclaims this is the plan. Get to Jesus. And by the way, I, I'm skipping a lot of stuff. We, we, we could do this all day long. But um, I'm going to go up to Jesus, uh, and he tells his disciples, go and make disciples amongst all nations. And then we get all the way to the end, and what do we find? We see all the nations gathered around the throne, worshiping the Lamb. And um, what does that mean? He accomplishes his plan. So our purpose is to carry the image of Christ all across the face of the earth and see others also be redeemed and renewed into what we were intended to be from the very first from the very beginning. I believe that we were made to bring God glory. I think that's what's going on here. That we are intended to reflect a friend of mine said, you know, it's kind of like we're little mirrors, you know. Um, you got the glory of God, and we're reflecting his glory back to him. I think that's what's, uh, that's what's happening here. I want to take a look at one more, uh, one more scripture here. This scripture and, um, and the idea changed everything for me. It was, um, it was when it reoriented my idea away from my life is about me, my house, my bank account, my cars, and, you know, don't get me wrong, you know, I'm, <laughs> I, I, I concern myself with, uh, with such things, but, um, but I no longer desire that my life is oriented around these things. But instead... Um, that my life should be all about giving glory to God. Let's read um, Isaiah 43. 
Now, this is a... Isaiah 43 is written at a time that, uh, that Israel is going to be punished. Um, Israel has been unfaithful to God. They've gone and they've worshipped other gods... Um, the Baals, uh, the, the gods of the nations that surrounded them. And they have been unfaithful, and God's going to bring punishment uh, upon them. So that's the context of what's being uh, written here. Let's start with verses 1 through 4 first. But now this is what the Lord says, He who created you, Jacob, He who formed you, Israel, Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt for your ransom, Cush and Seba in your stead. Since you are precious and honored in my sight and because I love you, I will give people in exchange for you, nations in exchange for your life. All right, let's stop there for a second. So as Christians, you know, I think that we're pretty familiar with the the idea of grace, right? Um, None of us would be here. We don't deserve to be here um, without the grace of Christ, uh, the grace of God through Jesus Christ. And God here is, is speaking of grace and mercy that will come for the nation of Israel as well. In fact, I think he's speaking of the days of Christ, when Jesus would come and offer grace to the Israelites as well. So in the same way that the Israelites received lavishly mercy and grace, we we have the exact same gift. God's given us that same gift. But there's a reason. There's a purpose that, that he's done that. It's not just to, like, get me saved, right? It's not just to make me, uh, you know, clean before him. Yes, absolutely. It is that, but it's not just that, okay? Verses 5 through 7, let's, uh, let's continue. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. Don't forget the context. Uh, he, he's about to destroy Jerusalem here. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. I will bring your children from the east, and I will gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give them up, and to the south, do not hold them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who's called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. All right, so what's going to happen here? Babylon is on their way. They're storming the gates of Jerusalem. And Jerusalem will fall. As a result, the Israelites will be carried away into Babylon. Then we will see many more uh, nations rise up that will destroy Babylon, that will destroy the Medes and the Persians, that will destroy the Greeks, that will destroy the... You get the idea. And the idea here is that the Israelites will be spread everywhere. They'll no longer be there in what uh, is considered to be Israel. But God promises here that from the east and the west, from the north and the south, he will bring them back. 
I actually believe, uh, I don't know if everybody shares this belief or not, but I believe that um, that scripture that we just read um, for the Israelites was fulfilled in 1948 as they came back to uh, become Israel once again. But I don't believe that that's really the ultimate purpose of what that's saying. I believe also that there's, there's more to come. He's speaking of a time that will come. The nations from the east and the west will be brought back where? To be with God. Again, for a purpose. Look at verse 7 one more time. Everyone who's called by my name, each of us included, each of those refugees coming from Africa, South Asia, Middle East, those that call themselves Muslims today, that will become disciples of Christ, each of everyone who's called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. We were created, and the reason that we were created, which is very consistent with what we just read there in Genesis 1 and also in Matthew 28, to give glory to God. That is the reason that we were formed and made. That's the reason that we were created, if, if this is to be believed. I think it, we should believe it. Okay? So what does that do? That changes, at least for me, it changed everything. Wait a minute. You mean the American dream isn't like everything? You mean I shouldn't, you know, I work for, um, for a company for 20 years and I think it's, it's good and right to, uh, to go and to work. I'm not saying everybody here should become missionaries. I'm not saying that. But what's the purpose of our lives? What is it that, that we should be doing? We should be aligning ourselves with, uh, with God's plan, with God's purposes, right? That he made each of us to give him glory. And not only that, but to be part of his plan to call those from the north and the south and the east and the west. That's, the, that's what Jesus was saying as he said, go make disciples amongst, every, uh, amongst all nations. Right? So, and if we do that, then I think that becomes the fulfillment of what it says in Habakkuk 2.14, where it says, For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Actually, I misspoke there. I said, if we do that. that, that actually, that's, that's declarative. That is going to happen. God's not asking us, like, oh, would you please do it? No, he's saying this is going to happen. That the knowledge of the glory of the Lord will cover the earth, just as the waters cover the sea. So he invites us to be part of his plan, to, to come and to be part of what he is doing. That is the purpose. And as soon as I learned that, we, we, we changed. Everything changed. We said, it's time to go. And wouldn't you know, God put somebody on my doorstep immediately <laughs> that said, hey, I've got, a, I've got an idea. And so we went. Um, 
there's more to the story than that. But that's, that's roughly what happened um, for us. So, so I challenge you guys to, to think, think that through. What does that mean for you? What does that mean for each of us? As I said, for us, it meant go to the mission field. I felt like God had been calling us, and I'd sort of been ignoring that call for at least a decade. And I'm not saying that everybody must go, but how can we participate even right now, even right here in this place, in seeing his word, his spirit, go forward amongst all the nations right here in the Tri-Cities? Is that possible? Can you be part of that? Yes, yes. The answer is yes, you can. The question is whether we will do it and not ignore it like I did. Okay? Um, So I challenge you with that this morning. How else could God use you to spread his image all across the face of the earth? I want to ask you guys as we pray and as we finish here this morning to, to spend time with the Holy Spirit, asking him how it is that he wants you to participate. Because now we know what he is doing. How can we enter in to what he is already doing and be part of and accept the invitation that he's giving to us? Let's pray. Thank you, Father, that, um, that you do invite us in, that you call us, that you make us clean, that you make us new. But we're not only uh, called to be new, we're also called to... Uh, Uh, to be your ambassadors, to go and to give the message of reconciliation that that you have been giving to the the people all across the face of the earth. And so, God, I pray that that there would be those here within this church that would go. Lord, that um, whether it would be here in the, uh, in the Tri-Cities, or, uh, Lord, it would, it would be across, uh, across the ocean somewhere. Lord, you, you, you have the plan. You have the, uh, uh, the idea for each of us. Lord, I, I pray that you make our hearts soft to hear from you and to respond to you and to be obedient to you. Help us with that, Lord. We need you. And we need your help in, uh, in each of these things. Pray in Jesus' name.